0: Our state-by-state look at coronavirus trends is more encouraging this Sunday. Welcome to the alt-normal, an exploration of the diverse voices on planet Earth. The wildfires that have devastated parts of Australia. Doing the critical work of rebuilding a healthier, more sustainable alternative future at the intersection of self, community, and planet. We live in uncertain times, a powerful moment of revolution. How we choose to steer the path will determine what kind of Alt-Normal we consciously remake together. Everyone has a part to play. Let's rise. Shift and support this exciting new reality in the making. The Alt-Normal.
1: Autos reach the transport site. Trying to lock on.
0: Five, four, three, Welcome back, guys. This is the Alt Normal, Episode 7. My name is Tiffany Wen, and I am the host of this show. And I'm super excited to be sitting with Bobby Aqua, who I will introduce in just a moment. But just a little word about, yeah, why we're here, why we're doing this. So the Alt Normal began with the question, how might we reframe this new normal that was handed to us as crisis? And really rethink what the new normal is, and instead call it the alt normal or alternative reality that we can actually remake in our diversity to usher in a more resilient, healthier, and really sustainable culture moving forward. So, you know, in this grave time of systems collapse, racial injustice, um, global economic disaster we really believe that there's an opportunity for this massive paradigm shift in how we relate to not just ourselves, but also each other and our planet. So one thing's for sure, we've all taken the collective red pill. There's no real going back from here, but in a good way. And so this is really an opportunity to, you know, really reclaim our agency and see what role that we can all sort of take to usher in this alt-normal or alt-reality. So before getting started, just want to say a big thank you to Zest for hosting this conversation today. Zest is a plant-based restaurant here in Ubud, and their mission, Powered by plants Made for People, brings community, conversations, and creative vegan food together in this Really beautiful tropical oasis of nature. So, super grateful for Zest. And now I would love to introduce Bobby Aqua, the guest on our show. So, Bobby is a shining example of a whole collection of life experience, knowledge, and what it means to be, I feel, a true learner, seeker, and sharer of wisdom she is 78 years old and has such an incredible um story that I'm not going to actually go into her bio right now but she has been um a chinese medicine and functional medicine practitioner for the last 45 years and has done some pretty incredible stuff so i'm just going to leave it there and want to welcome bobby aqua to the show thank you so much bobby it's a pleasure so Let's start from the beginning. You've been based in Bali for roughly 17 years, but you're originally from the Hamptons in New York. So I would love for you to first tell us what it was like to grow up there, what decade that was, and what the cultural sentiment was at the time, especially for people who don't really even know the first thing about the Hamptons.
1: Well, I have to correct that actually, I came here from living in the Hamptons, but I grew up in Minnesota, and I grew up in a privileged background. However, I was in that group of people who, in the sixties was given the red pill were were given the red pill and so for me, I believe I've been here from the beginning of the movement because previous to that sixties generation of which I'm a member, there was Nothing. (laughs) There is no idea of change the world or a mission in the world. As a generation, we are a generation of change makers, and that makes us quite different. We're a generation that actually is hardwired to wake up. So it's no longer if the person's going to wake up. It really is when the person's going to wake up. And there are certain things that I have seen that seem to make a big difference. And most of that is to deal with the trauma that we came here, as kind of light warrior souls to take on and transmute because, in my opinion, this generation, which I claim is from 80 years of age to 10 years of age, is a digital and the generation with a hard drive for awakening. But also, it's the first generation, not the first individuals, but the first generation to be self-evolving. Previous to this, as far as I can see, all generations and we say for the last 26,000 years, but um, can, some of this goes longer because the change that's happening now is not just what it, it's, it's what it looks like, but it's much bigger than that. In theory, this will be a change that will ap- completely turn what is happening on this planet upside down. And it will lead to a life which people refer to as higher consciousness. And that started for me when i was 25 years old and happened to be in the right place to get the red pill and i belonged to a young generation of 20 mid 20s to certainly mid 30s of people who were simply seeking consciousness expansion and awareness which has then developed through many other transitions to now where we're at the beginning of the actually this ch- change that's in many ways so big it's even harder to imagine than what's going on now. But we have good assurances that this will happen. And just as a side note, people might be interested to know that during the 60s, we had a lot of extraterrestrial activity here, mostly done through message channeling, something like what Hicks does, you know, gives a message today. Then they went away. And Well, I don't know if they went away, but they actually got quiet and heard nothing about the extraterrestrials until now. So they are back. So this is so big. And I mentioned this so people get some idea. This is not an individual thing. This is a collective thing. And and it is being engineered, you could say, certainly by the planet who needed a time out to heal. And it's unfortunate that politics in the world and scare and fear got mixed into something that could have been handled. Differently, I also have come to the conclusion that for Westerners, so in Chinese medicine, half of your body is being and half of your body is doing. And so I believe now that one of the things that can come out of this, and I'm sorry there's so much emotional stuff Kind of crazy stuff around it is a chance for western people who have done doing to its ultimate max to have a chance to do being this will become more and more about being about integrity about allowing everyone on the planet to find their own authenticity by about some kind of a collective
0: community sharing on every level so i want to unpack so many things that you just mentioned um but first staying a little bit more on like the early beginnings and the early threads of your upbringing because i find Mm -hmm. it fascinating that you've called yourself sort of a trust fund baby in your Mm -hmm. youth and then somewhere between a hippie phase and then the age 25 or 35 you can correct me you decided to really go for a career you didn't have to but something inside of you moved you to say I want to advance my personal evolution. So I'd love to sort of dial into that moment. How did someone with your privileged background end up pursuing or wanting to pursue something greater? Well, I have to say I had a wonderful mother. And
1: because I came from privilege, but I also came from a family that believed if you had, you gave back. So my mother took me, used to go door to door to collect money for like March of Dimes and charities and things. So when I was four years old, my mother took me along with her. And then she, they might. Both my parents were very active on the boards of of institutions that were for the greater good. So in a way, it was ingrained in me early in life, and even my sort of religious background was still all about being responsible and giving back. I think that I, I don't know that I personally so much decided. Two things happened. I couldn't move into the life that they wanted me to. It just didn't work. I did try, but it didn't work, and. Also, my circumstances changed, and I came to the realization that I would probably have to take life a little more seriously. But at that point, I had tried a number of things that kind of had a time limit. And so, because part of being in the quote-unquote hippie movement was also about massage and eating right and herbal medicine. There was a day, believe it or not, you could just go into a store and buy any herb without any warning and all that stuff. We really didn't have people dying then of all that stuff. So the world has changed quite a bit, but it was a really wonderful time to be alive. I will say that revolution was a lot more fun than this revolution <laughs> appears to be, but um, this one is going to make a bigger change. So that's all that really, really matters is what's, what the nature, I think most people in the spiritual world, young people today it, do know they're here for a purpose. So for us, we knew that too. Once we started on the whole alternative, I guess alternative pathway through life, I would think we all realized that we had a mission in life or that we, we certainly realized we were thinking in the common way that people were thinking. And we had a big stance against war was wrong. And um, I tell people, that in the 60s, when we were marching and protesting against the war, we literally had full beer camps thrown by us by, by common people who was, felt their life was threatened. I also went through the feminist revolution, having an all-women's construction company, and then some things I probably shouldn't put on the radio happened because everyone was frightened. And so I suppose you could take a look at what's happening today by understanding there's a different kind of frightened that's happening. But it's... Before it was individual people being frightened for their lives, now it's a collective. So at any rate, I, it just kind of one thing led to another, and actually, I just connected with Chinese medicine the minute I met it. So, And then I was offered the opportunity to study with the leader of the functional medicine movement before there was a movement at
0: the same time, and they kind of blend together. So that's a perfect segue because I want to focus now on your background in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. So this medicine system has been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. It's super ancient and old, yet... From my understanding, it only started to take hold as a licensed practice in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, You got into this um, practice at the height of the AIDS crisis in 1989, you mentioned before. So I'd love to hear why did you choose this path of all paths at that precise moment to kind of maybe address or meet the cultural moment of the time? So... Maybe
1: it would be good to understand that in the early days, the spiritual movement did not have bookstores. Had a couple of gurus. We weren't sure where that fit in. We actually didn't know where we were going. I think we knew we were different. We knew we had stepped out. I mean, we didn't have a movie to base it on, but we knew we were were down a different path. But it was pretty much, I describe it as Marine Corps boot camp. We went on, something happened in your life, you fell in the mud, you got up, you dusted yourself off, and you kept going. And the way that we learned and our consciousness expanded was through the suffer, kind of suffering things that one goes through in life. And we didn't have, we really did not have a group of people older than us to show us the way. It's just It was an inner journey. It was something that was driven from the inside. So years I guess at some point, I realized that if I let the universe direct my life, I would have a much better opportunity for life to work for me than if I made these decisions after making a few decisions that didn't work out so well. And part of that was, part of that actually led me to about everything that happened after that. Around 35, I did realize that I would probably have to take earning a living seriously. I wasn't going to marry well. I was educated. In order to marry well, I wasn't really educated like young women are today, and I consider my generation's success, frankly, and the fact that today women like yourself look to the future, even if you decide that you're one of those, you know, people. And it's a beautiful thing to raise children. I raised one. Is that that's your calling? That at some point you're going to want an education, or you want self-development, which is a little bit bigger now, to be able to pursue you being what we call in the spiritual world all that you can be. And so that all started, that wasn't in effect when I grew up. Women didn't normally go to college, or that many did not go to college. And in, in the professions, it was very hard. All of that shifted in that period that began in the 60s and actually kind of continued through some of the 80s. The Harmonic Convergence was in 87, in which I understand that's really when this move, this energetic change you're seeing now actually got anchored on the planet. And then one thing led to another. I liked it. It made sense to me. I have always, I guess I've been motivated since I was 25 by the fact that I truly believe that the one real path in the world is the spiritual path or the connection with the divine. And so for me, everything I was going to do in life had to come under that. And so Chinese medicine was perfect because an internal medicine, which was my original specialty, has to do with, for me, where you've moved from your spiritual path. So depending on how far you go, I mean, most people have had an experience what we call in the West a Saturn return type experience, where they get a kind of a free course correction. But then many people have found that they can go just your. I believe we have souls, and so that you're allowed a certain amount of leeway. And then boom, if you you get little warnings, little warnings, and for a lot of us we get big. We just get what we call slammed across the room, and then. Our lives get reinvented, usually on a higher level. Well, I'm always on a higher level, really. And, and we just move forward from there. So for me, Chinese medicine and also functional medicine is actually Chinese medicine. We just talk about it from a more scientific basis, which really makes more sense for Western people. But it's actually the same thing in a different language, which, by the way, is also Ayurvedic medicine, Tibetan medicine, all of these ancient medicines, uh, shamanism to a great extent, really we all, all have the same basis. Your Chinese medicine schooling starts saying that man is a bridge between heaven and earth. And then the first day of Chinese medical school, you're taught, I was trained by Taoists. Most Chinese medical practitioners that probably come out of a Taoist space, whatever they call it. So that becomes how the universe is created you know, out of the one come 10,000 things, et cetera, that people I'm sure I've heard of. And so in any event, that goes through almost all what we refer to today as alternative medicine. I like to refer to it as traditional medicine. In the West, after the Second World War, they split philosophy from medicine. And I think that in the end, that was probably the biggest, that is maybe the biggest problem because we they, they do conventional medicine or western medicine allopathic medicine is great for what it's great for what it's not great for is everything so it's great for acute things everyone gives the example if i you know have a motorcycle accident here and i break a bone i'm not going to go to an energetic healer but it's not good for chronic things and we have an epidemic of chronic disease from bad lifestyle choices which People were indoctrinated into, I was fortunate enough to grow up before there were pesticides on your food. So I think that, you know, older people, too, and even in Bali, you can see it. The old people ride bicycles, they walk. Every indigenous, and I've worked a lot in different indigenous cultures. Every indigenous culture today has the same problem. They have picked up the worst of Western lifestyle habits. And they've dropped some of the best of their own thing. And I think that will also come back. But it's true. They're all suffering from the same types of diseases.
0: all of them. Just diet-related, you can see it. So I want to transition into right, this indigenous sort of perspective that you mm-hmm. bring in. But first to kind of ground this really unique blend of Chinese medicine and functional medicine. Mm -hmm. I hear that these two things are kind of the same thing with different language around them, different frameworks to understand what they truly are, maybe even connecting to different audiences so they can really just come to the same understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just love to, yeah, like maybe get a picture of what maybe a typical consultation or typical session looks like when you bring these two frameworks to a person who might not have even heard of these two
1: Okay, the practices. primary
0: difference between traditional medicine and
1: includes in that functional medicine is included is that we look at both what's known as the root and the branch. This is a very big thing in Chinese medicine in particular, but my friends who do the other styles, they do that too. So when somebody comes in, we, take a complete, we do take a complete medical history, but also I, if they're open to it, I want to know where are they, what's their life like? What's happening in their life? What, uh, what is, do they have a spiritual path or do whatever path they're on? Where are they at? What have they tried? What have they not tried? Now, in America, we have access to labs that we can actually pinpoint. Today, also part of functional medicine is genetics. So we can pinpoint not only what your um, potential trouble can be. And I do want to say right here, genetics does not determine your health. We have things called telomeres. Telomeres determine how your genetics work. Telomeres are based on They're how can I say, they, you work telomeres by your lifestyle. Bad lifestyle, short telomeres. Good lifestyle, you can rebuild telomeres as well. So we can correct everything. And I think the biggest combination that both Chinese medicine and functional medicine has is we're into rebuilding your health. And so, in rebuilding your health, both in Chinese medicine, they have something called the school of spleen and stomach, which is a digestive school. Was they have a lot of school in Chinese medicine. Every one of the warring uh, generations, they all had their own teachers. And in China, in the early days, the only people who got to study Chinese medicine were people from. Wealthy families who were very intellectual and philosophically orientated and then some of it is said that it's channeled is even a rumor that Buddha channeled some of Chinese medicine. So we don't have absolute answers. But in functional medicine, it's also what is the root of the problem? Where have you deviated from the from a healthy plan? And the difference is that in the West, we can test for most of this. We have extremely good testing these days. When I was practicing in America, we also had testing, but not nearly anything as sophisticated. And right now, it's not possible to do that from here, primarily because you have to ship blood and stool samples. And right now, that, as far as I know, is not possible. I haven't been able to figure out a way to do that. But if this is heard by people in America, it is absolutely possible. You can begin. We're starting to put out there information. You can engineer some of your own healing. And there are definitely well-qualified people, both from my field, from the chiropractic field, and from the regular Western medical, who have decided that it's time for people to get healthy and not to just maintain them. And, of course, this virus is kind of
0: pointing that out if you know where to look. So... You said something earlier that I just want to pull out again. Mm -hmm. Um, You said that, I guess at some point in the 80s, that philosophy and medicine kind of deviated in two separate Mm -hmm. realms of thinking. No,
1: actually, that was after World War II, when the pharmaceutical industries got started by Rockefeller and the powers that be. That's actually... I was told at one point that their idea of doing good after the war was to create this whole drug empire. I don't know. But the thing is, at that point, as far as I know, that was the point at which they separated the philosophical from the medical. And
0: you've called yourself a spiritual midwife. I love those two words thrown together. And I gather it's a blend of write your your studies and your training but also the way that you really feel um, healing and wholeness can come about and first of all I would love for you to tell us what is a spiritual midwife and how how does what does that look like
1: okay well if you operate from the basis I do which is whatever is happening in your life whether it's actual health or it's a relationship problem which usually affects people's health ultimately, Have somewhere there's a place where you're stuck in your spiritual development because this is a vibrational planet, and so certain things happen at a particular vibration, like illness and motorcycle accidents and stuff, and other things don't happen at a certain vibration. So, if that's true, and I believe it to be true, then That's what, it's also why energetic healing works, but energetic healing from any source will not last unless the person can become aware or be empowered to change whatever needs to change in their life so that they themselves are also generating or living on that vibration. So I call myself a spiritual midwife because that term came to me when I was trying to figure out how to say? What do I do? And that's because ultimately there's no such thing as only a physical illness. All, everything starts from a spiritual base because we're created from a spiritual source, and then it's mental, emotional, or physical. If you ha- mental is pretty much an easier thing to handle. If you're a very negative thinker, we can change. Show you how to just change that. Emotionals are much more complicated. And most people, it's a big emotion. The unresolved emotional stuff is the biggest part of why they don't get better. Sometimes, no matter what they do. When I started my practice, there was there is a great spiritual teacher whose wife died of cancer. They were evolved Buddhists way back in the sixties, and uh, she wrote a book which kind of said she did everything, but my spiritual training told me that that just isn't possible unless it's karmic. And frankly, in 45 years, I haven't really seen karmic illness. I believe it probably exists in high, particularly in in old gurus had a lot of it, but I think for the average person, it's a much more linear situation. So I started out by taking all the people who said they tried everything and couldn't get better. And I did that for free. And I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned is that the psychological and emotional component of everyone who's having any kind of a health issue is really important. So for me, real healing not only includes what do I do, what herbs do I give you, what nutrition, what dietary change, what treatment I give you, whatever it is, that's a part of it. And yeah, it's not hard to get people to feel better in the moment, frankly, but how do they sustain it? And they sustain it by getting the kind of help that they need to see... Why, why is this really happening? What are the other layers of this that I can affect a change in that will obviously change in the end? Because the hell, your body is the last place a dysfunction, let's say a a hyphenese goes. It, if, if it isn't handled at, different, at the other levels, then it is, becomes physical. And then we do have something called metaphysics. Metaphysics is the interpretation of what appears in someone's life or body or health a kind of a higher metaphysical level. So we do that. So I do all that for people who are want to do that. I don't push advice on anyone. Plus, I'll be 78 in December. I'm one of the few, I think one of the real problems is that your generation, my generation, for sure, we did not have elders, enough elders anyway, to really tell us what life was really like, what's really going on here and how is it And from the time of the 60s till now, we have obviously birthed a generation of people who know intuitively that there's something deeper going on, but not enough elders. And I think there are a lot, there are a lot of leftover hippies in their 60s. Many of them are not public. And so if you don't, it's still if you don't meet someone. But I think we can be of great use right now in helping, maybe just to kind of, you know, I think my job is, Take a left turn here, take a right turn there, watch out for that rock. It's, it's more
0: like that. And I will we'll dig more into right, like the role of spirituality and consciousness mm-hmm. in impacting our physiological health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to see if you could maybe recall, there's probably tons, but recall a very significant moment or memory of working with a patient that was diseased, not at ease. And I don't know, like a a story of, you know, someone who really felt, I'm never going to get better, or this is impossible, Mm -hmm. or my allopathic doctor said, sorry, there's nothing really you Mm -hmm. can do. Maybe you can take some pills or just live with it. Can you recall a moment where you've worked with someone maybe at that capacity and helped them break through whatever psychological, emotional Mm -hmm. barrier that eventually led to physical health?
1: Right now, one particular one doesn't come in mind, but there's a lot of that. So, um, you know, also I will say this. Facebook has somehow put me in a group of a lot, like Hashimoto's group, my functional medicine group and studies. We're all doing um, massive people in in the West that have several autoimmune conditions at one time. I think getting healthy is actually, today it's a known science, how to get people healthy. And I've listened to case studies from people who've had clients maybe even more so than I. And also in Bali, I I work with a very hip group of people. So it's not so... We have to go back to the West to do that. But essentially... There's a, a, there are a lot of things you can do. So the real issue is you have to find out, okay, what's really going on in the person's body. That's the medical, physical, physiology part of it. What's going on in their life? I could give you a story about me that might be just as revealing. So I went through before I kind of like was able to be this level of Bobby. I went through it when it's known in the world as a very long dark night of the soul. And at the end of that, sort of towards the end, I took a job as a volunteer in India for Tibetan refugees. I do a lot of medical, I have done in the past a lot of medical volunteer work as well. So I went there and it was a really difficult, difficult situation. In the meantime, this whole dark night thing had started with a big, like it usually does, a big emotional rug pulled out from under your life thing, which I had been struggling with for about three and a half years. And when I got to India, I finally decided to withdraw from the medical group, which was unfortunately led by somebody that I didn't get along with very well. And I went to listen to the Dalai Lama. And the second week that I was doing that, they read a book that I remember as saying how to be a bodhisattva. And I remember, although people have told me I might not be right, but I do remember the second chapter was basically on anger. It said, if you're angry, you know, I might as well give up the spiritual path. And I had been angry since I was five years old, probably. I was, you know, I mean, most, there aren't so many differences. I mean, I find that for people today, many of them have the same kind of childhood I had, which was on the spiritual path, you basically are guaranteed a dysfunctional childhood, unless you're young enough now that maybe that interim gap and you hadn't ended up with parents who kind of had somewhat of an awakening. Or, and in different cultures, it's a little different, but I can only really relate to the West so much. So I remember thinking, I had like a, a big thought or a voice in my ear that said, well, why don't you just give up the spiritual path? You know, you've been angry since you're five. You've been rid, livid and in a rage for the last three and a half years. So why don't you just, you look all the time and money you're spending. Why don't you just give it up? And I, I just didn't think about it. I'd never had that kind of experience. And the next day I broke out in red welts, hives, literally all up my body, all up my legs, all around my middle. And I went to all the doctors there, which is in McLeod, Ganj, where the Dalai Lama lives. I was staying with, the, with the, uh, his past uh, Tibetan doctor. And I went to the homeopath, to the Ayurvedic doctor. There was no Chinese doctor. I made the mistake of trying to treat myself, which when you're sick is not a good idea. And you know, they all had a different theory and nobody asked me what was going on in my life. Later on when I reflected, I realized I was being offered the opportunity to have some more of the rage that I had been carrying all that time, burn out, And this was the form it took. I already had an education in medicine. So when I added that piece to it, and that's how I feel most people are arriving at it. The only difference is, as I said, in the West, we can pinpoint where all your genes are, where are all your organic acids, your vitamins, your minerals and that, and then we can just rebalance that. But we also have to do the emotional part because that's, well, they call it, in the West, they're gonna tell you it's all stress. Well, stress is based on not having harmony in your connection to life and the event that's happening in your life now. So, I never really got I was never sick. I was born with a birth defect which had already pretty much healed. So, I really don't don't come out of the path of I got sick. I have I have there are acupuncturists in America that I treated that got sick, got well with acupuncture and went on to school and are now practicing acupuncture. But that wasn't that's really not didn't happen to me that quite that way. But it's a powerful medium for sure, and it works in the moment. But to sustain any kind of healing, you have to, even in functional medicine, when they've been very slow on the emotional uptake, I think in the process of being able to see people really heal, everyone has had to have some kind of an emotional awakening at the same time. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah.
0: um, The, the red welts Mm -hmm. um, in response to the rage is a very visceral image in my mind and everything's connected, right? It's easy to just make that statement, but like to really live it and to really believe it in those hardest moments. I mean, I think that's really where the true power is, which is a good segue because I'd like us to talk a little bit about COVID-19 uh, okay. and you know, give space to what the media hasn't been focusing on mm-hmm. given your background. And so what I'm particularly interested in, and then I'd like to bring in a little bit of Zach Bush to ask the oh, question, yeah, sure. is what a virus actually is and the agency that we have around really truly embodying preventative health, amongst other things. So for those of you guys who don't know who Zach Bush is, he is a triple certified physician. He's become incredibly well-known, especially during this time of crisis, and really advocating for planetary and global health and the parallels.
1: And he has one
0: other thing. He has a product that he created from
1: pre-dinosaur fossils called Restore for Life, and that can restructure blood that's damaged by glyphosate into healthy cells. That's how I met him before COVID. And um, he never said anything. He gave a brilliant hour-long lecture on the Internet about medicine, and he nailed it. And But at the very end, he showed these two slides. He never mentioned his product, which I guess endeared him even more, of what your blood looks like when it's had pesti- this particular pesticide and what your blood looks like after that. But what he said, which and he'll repeat it a little bit these days, is that if they will stop, if it's possible to stop this whole pesticide chemical thing in growing your food, and he had enough money, if he sprayed the entire surface of all of the growing fields, at least in America, he could get organic soil from this product within maybe it's a half an inch or a quarter of an inch. I don't want to misstate his thing. So that's what got me to pay attention. And now he's become one of the leaders, I guess you could call it, in the
0: alt-doctor movement of trying to understand COVID. And that's perfect because he... He touches on so many things. Again, there are webs of connection um, underlying them all. But in his recent content on the virome, he says, quote, the microbiome and the remarkable communication pathway of the virome must be understood as our salvation rather than our enemy. If we Mm -hmm. shift direction quickly, we can become co-creative partners with this nature to prevent our own extinction, they word, and to bring forth the richest biodiversity and vitality that this planet has ever seen. So, you know, he's really going bold. You're also a very bold thinker and speaker, well, which I really value. The truth. I mean, if you study it
1: enough, what you're going to find out is there is a truth. And... It isn't as complicated as what people might think. There are there are more than there is more than one school of thought on this virus. So if you go back to like Rudolf Steiner, 100 years ago, is somebody that most of us in this world respect greatly. He started anthroposophical medicine. He's does he, his teachings. He was definitely an awakened being. So he said, and there are people now, and Zach Bush happens to be one of them. We kind of. There is one type of virus which is actually, your cell detoxifies, it makes something called an exome. That exome is actually a virus. It has appeared on this planet continuously over time when there has been an increase in microwave activity. So that was the original thing. That one has had very little play, if any. There's another school of thought that feels like this Did originate with a bat, but it was also manipulated, shall we say, somewhat in China. There actually are two women Chinese scientists who have admitted to inadvertently this virus being created. And what they said is it wasn't meant to get out. And then there there are stories about how it got out. But so basically there is some credibility in that. I actually listened to their original YouTube broadcasts. And this virus, the question is, is this virus really contagious? And if so, how much? So if you have a huge population of people who don't have symptoms but test positive for a test that I will personally say does not actually tell you you only have COVID. It tells you you have viral condition or viral, actually not condition, you have viral material in your RNA and in your blood. So there were people who will argue that, but because we're not studying the people who test positive and don't get sick, we have no real idea what is the true nature of this virus and how is it impact and how how we're dealing with it what we're asking people to do i do think you're living right in this moment which we're pretty much in the middle of september that there's getting to be somewhat of a shift in the west and unfortunately america's really is really impacting the world on this not to mention the fact that the evil empire in my in my world, is also living in America. I will say this though, my gripe against the WHO and the CDC is that we have known, and I have known and tried to put it out on Facebook and have been teaching people, there are many things you can do to protect yourself. And we knew early on that that if you were at high risk, if if you were being maintained on Western drugs with an illness, for your life that made you really vulnerable. And I think also you will go into the microbiome because the microbiome is the key to the way medicine needs, will, will be going, not only needs to go, but will go in the future to get people really healthy. But well,
0: well that that's a- okay because the, you were heading in this direction. So maybe yeah. I'll center us back on this thinking. So again, bringing the TCM, traditional oh. Chinese medicine and FM, functional medicine, what do you feel like preventative health could look like right now? And maybe you can incorporate, you know, any herbs, Balinese or otherwise, mind, body, spirit practices that you really live by and that you would recommend to anyone, whether they're 25 or 80, or maybe different for both age groups. Okay. Here in Bali, to get
1: your microbiome tested, first of all, let me say this the microbiome creates 70, is responsible for 70% of your immune system and 30% of your neurotransmitters. How I got more into this recently was kind of through a back door. Um, I have been doing brain work for a number of years. And recently, a few years ago, had the chance to spend some time with some Alzheimer's patients. And so I started going back into what was the current stuff on, on the brains. And if you do that, if you start to study how not to get Alzheimer's and how to keep your brain functioning, you're going to back yourself right into the microbiome. And if you get if you're dealing with some kind of uh, any kind of an autoimmune thing, and by the way, this will be a little controversial, but recently they are starting to label things like migraine headaches and autoimmune disease. And I think you could change the definition of autoimmune disease. It's not only physically that your body mistakes certain cells for your cells for, enemy cells and attacks them. I think it's also just a term for how you're doing whatever it is in your life, whether it's how you're physically living, how you're thinking, what your emotional problems are, how your relationships are. It's a way that's not in, it's not making you the healthiest person you can be. So in a certain sense, you could say that you are attacking yourself in that way. So we're changing definitions. And we're changing, I, I will say this, I think now we can prove, honestly, we have enough uh, double-blind studies and enough people like Zach and some of the other more controversial, but in my opinion, very clear doctors, that there is actually known information of people getting healthy. And I also want to say, if people listen to this, you know, on the internet these days for free, there are, right now there are so many because we're in lockdown. There used to be one or two summits here and there you can listen to for free. And it doesn't matter whether they call it autoimmune, or anti, or can, the truth about cancer, or vaccines revealed is the one everyone should really look at. It, it's still all about how to get healthy, because the body only breaks down certain ways. So it really doesn't matter what avenue you take, so long as you take an avenue that includes food, nutrition, how you think, how you feel, what is the trauma that you need to heal. Those are the components that make you a whole person, raise your vibration, and allow you To navigate this world in such a way that you will be part of the solution. (laughs) Maybe not so much involved in what the problem is.
0: Yeah, so that's, I like that. Just choose an avenue because they're all leading back to the same. You need all of them. It is not,
1: you know, in the 60s, we used to say health is health, wealth, love, and perfect self-expression. So if you take that and expand it, you're going to get the same thing. You need to take a look at I mean, I also do tend to try to teach from a, a, a little larger spiritual point of view. I have, I'm not going to go into it now, but I have a, a, a theory or a belief system or something about how human beings, how, how the universe creates human beings and what we're doing here and what a life path is and how you can be more in alignment. And that comes back to, again, if you get too far away from what Buddhists call your dharma, your life path, something is going to show up. This may not be a health issue, it could be a relationship issue, it could be any number of things. So if we can help you to understand what, who are you, what are you doing here? Because ultimately in the spiritual world, this is about finding out who you really are, not who you've been conditioned to be. And I do not use the word ego. I really think it's a contaminated word. This has to do with we're all conditioned. And if anything, you can find out now by watching how this response to COVID is going in the West, how really deep conditioning goes. But our generation has the ability to change that for the entire your entire family line. Back to the beginning of time, they say, if you wake up, you, you clear this stuff, you heal your entire family line. And for this generation, then I think we clear our gender and then we clear humanity. But if you get healthy, you're working for humanity just by
0: doing that. That's perfect. I think, you know, again, like you have a a very gifted way of bringing in spirituality into a medical lens and and bridging worlds. And I kind of want to center back on the COVID conversation because another personal hero of mine, and I know you really um, probably have a lot to share about Bruce Lipton. Oh, yeah. um, and he talks at length about many things, epigenetics, but also in the context of COVID, this um, realm of psycho-neuroimmunology, mm-hmm. yeah. which is the science of how consciousness shapes the brain's control yeah. of the immune system. So, you know, kind of coming back into like the spirituality and science realm, what would it actually look like to align our consciousness with a healthy immune system? And then kind of the Um, add on to that is why do you think this is such a challenge for Western culture, both allopathic doctors and just everyday people Mm -hmm. who belong in that system? Why is it so difficult for these people to actually implement this in practice and to live it day to day, not just when you get sick? Right. Well, one thing is that I started in medicine
1: before anyone believed in psychoneuroimmunology. I remember the fight for that, even though those of us practicing on this end of medicine knew it for a fact, there was a lack of, of the ability to recognize it. And last year, a brilliant neuroscientist, neurophysician from South Africa came to Bali and he was teaching about his version of that. And I realized from that he lives still in a medical world. He's getting a lot of flack, but he's actually got the right idea, but in the world he lives in, it's been very hard and i think the reason is the medical education medical education for a conventional doctor does not include getting healthy it doesn't include nutrition but it also doesn't include the effects of your emotion it does today for younger hip people include the effects of stress which is an emotional problem so i think any of us who were like trying to get people healthy even when we didn't know anything really we all it's hard to avoid the fact that what's going on in your life is why you had that car accident or is why you went into depression. And if it isn't what's happening currently in their life, it's probably coming from the fact that it took a long time to realize, really, we all have dysfunctional childhoods at this stage of the game, with with rare exception. I'm not going to, I don't want to upset people. But most of the people, and almost everyone on the spiritual path, because we are, we're actually, I, I say that we're a generation made out of a different kind of material. We have skills built into us. It's just that we were not taught any of this growing up. Our, because our parents, I tell people, God did not send your mother a note saying, your child, this child is going to be different. They're going to be extra sensitive. You have to take extra care. So our parents did, our parents really did the job. So for anyone listening to this who still has an issue, I want you to know that in my opinion, your parents' job was to bring, the dark energy far enough for you to be born. They did their job. They weren't supposed to understand you. And it was impossible for them to give you the acknowledgement and the love that you deserve, want and deserve, because they didn't have it. They weren't brought up. They just tried to give you a little shade better of what they got. But what they got was more of what we're all breaking free from. So I just want to put that out there. I've known Bruce for a long, long time. Bruce was one of the first pioneers of this Um And he's, you know, he's also in my age group. So those of us who somehow didn't stay totally conventional in our lives, I think we we all see things pretty much the same way, even though our stories are quite different. I feel like consciousness has levels. And when you start to connect with people, you can tell when they have a certain understanding. You can just kind of assume they've had certain kinds of experiences because we all have the same human journey. It's just same song, different version. We have different details, but essentially we're all created by the same source. And in that source, there is some kind of a plan that if you're interested, you can find out. It's not
0: that much of a secret. I personally am very comfortable with the word consciousness. It seems like you are as well, Mm -hmm. but for people who are just starting to even grapple with this Mm -hmm. word and the complexity um, that could be perceived in this word, you know, it it comes down to just reconnecting to yourself, right? And and the true source of the fact that we all come from the same thing, the same material, as you say. And I would love to get a little inside lens into Bobby Aquas' world and ask, is there a practice or like a hero or something that you show up to every day for yourself to be Mm -hmm. able to align your consciousness with your immune system?
1: Yes. So I think you, you could... Really, honestly, say that to some extent there is a direct connection between your consciousness and your immune system. That's not something I hear in the world, but if I look at it from where I look at it, yeah, that would be the same thing. In Chinese medicine, your your immune system is the layer just under your skin to the outside world. So it's how are you relating in the world. So that would also apply in that way as well. For me, I think at the moment the best thing anyone can do is you have to find out your own version of god spirit divine light i don't really care what you call it words are just words but your connection to your own soul your own higher self however you want it is really now the most important thing because on this planet there is a huge energetic shift happening and they call it like third dimensional consciousness and fifth dimensional consciousness so anybody who's at all kind of aware of the shift will know that and for people who don't it basically means we've gone as far as we can taking advantage of people having only a few wealthy people having power be more top down rather than the way we treat and respect each other in the 60s i did live off the grid in a in a uh, kind of a hippie based community we grew our own food and we all contributed in some way and I, that won't be everybody's reality but there will be there is going to be somewhat of a a consciousness, a a thinking shift, a feeling shift. And most of this is about, I think, about feelings. So the most important thing is to wake up every morning for me. And, you know, kind of, it's a choice thing. We have a choice. So I choose to be aligned with my higher self. I choose to be aligned with God as I know it. So that when I have to process some of the humanitarian, emotional shift, which I actually end up having to do, but not everybody does. I have a way of not getting bogged down in it. And that that has been a challenge over the last few months. much better now. So I do teach mindful. I actually teach or suggest mindfulness over meditation to begin with because mindfulness you can do during the day with your eyes open, breathing. One thing I have learned in life from certain sources is that the only real thing here to count on is your breath. Really, if you just get kind of really out there and you look, We don't know about our birth. Really, we have no idea. Really, why we are created the way we were, or what we have some idea, maybe what created us. We don't have really clue what we're really doing here. What this really is all about is kind of an on, never-ending story, kind of ongoing journey. But our breath is the real thing, and so breathing. I teach. I have. I like people to take time out during the day and mindfulness. To me, is something like there's beautiful flower behind you, if I focus just on that flower and just breathe 10 breaths, I'm in the present moment. So it's about coming into the present moment and then staying connected with your higher self and the higher energies on the planet. If, however, you have a lot of unresolved trauma, then it really, today it's just more a matter of you have to acknowledge it, you have to connect to the feeling, but you don't need to go down the rabbit hole. You can then begin to let go of it. Um, I don't, are you aware of Lori Ladd? No. So Lori Ladd is a person who's channeling something known as the Galactic Federation of Light. I think I already said that we had a lot of extraterrestrials before and now we have them again. Which is one reason I think this is c- credible, is that these things are really happening. And I was there when they happened in the beginning, so the message is different. Though I will say the extraterrestrials now are teaching us how to hold a higher vibration. They are not giving us a, too much of a talk. It's not a talk about what life means and what this is. It's really more a a, a way of showing you how to access your vibration, how not to get caught up so much in the dark energies while things shift. And and I think today it's true. I think we have, we're better off, even if we're disconnected, to stay higher above it and hold light and then allow the people who are really, which I don't see here, not in Bali, but in the west, especially in America, especially since I came here from living in New York, where this is all amped up and a lot of things that are not the highest truth we could possibly have are used to control people or at least appear to be. We can begin to keep let those people go through. We we can help them most, I think, by connecting our to spirituality ourself and just helping. This is happening, you know, this is not really, what COVID and that piece is very big right now, but in the greater scheme of what needs, what's going to be changing, it's very small. It's just the initiation. And I don't know, I don't know your history, but most people have had some kind of personal initiation. A personal initiation is when your life completely falls apart, you totally break down, and the new and higher version of you Phoenix rising from the ashes basically appears. And so that is what's happening here, but it's happening for the entire planet at the same time in a hugely global way. So initiations always start out with breakdown. They always start out with, you have to let go of everything you believe to be true in your personal life. And I think on the planet, it's exactly the same thing. It's like prying the claws off Your hold on to life and just opening up and try not to be. I teach try not to be married to any belief system, even the one I have today. I'm not married to it, it's what appears to be real to me now. If I hear or see or listen to something different tomorrow or things change, I'm going to change my thing. And I think most of the truth of today for spiritual people has to come from intuition. And hopefully, your intuition is not too colored by childhood trauma. So, if those two things can be handled things will work out. And then it's just a matter of a basically healthy lifestyle. So when I started out treating all those people who said that they done they had done everything and couldn't get better, one of the conclusions I came to is that if you have an essentially basic healthy lifestyle and you're not well, then it's emotional. You don't get well, it is emotional. And I think you can kind of prove that if you want in a lot of ways. So... Today, we don't, we you know, because we're all into the gut, we know the gut microbiome is really the key to health. There's something like 30,000 little creatures in you that actually, we're a skin. I, yesterday, I thought, we're a sausage skin for a whole bunch of little microorganisms. They're actually got little wheels and, and buckets, and they're all working, and they're actually, we're living for them. They are living, they are creating the reality of how we are. So... We do know a lot about about that, and so I think a couple of things. We need to tweak some of the more modern, okay diets. I think the planet has pushed us into a totally plant-based system, regardless of what your philosophy is. In functional medicine in the West, they, they're fine with animal products if they come from a really clean source. And, um, and I find that that's fine, too, because everyone has a different constitution and different chemistry. And I will say another thing. When you go shopping and when you cook and when you lay it on the dinner table, it's food. When you swallow, it's not food. It's carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and sugars. So I use my functional medicine background in terms of nutrition. And I do nutrition from a Western point of view because we're the cutting edge science. And I don't, I haven't found a way that it's wrong. People are getting hugely healthy, people that would have died early or stayed sick their whole lives and on massive amounts of medication that create other side effects are actually having normal lives, living healthy lives. And almost everyone's come to roughly some of the same basic things. I'm also a great believer in fasting smartly. So I I think you're, you're lucky because today, if you want to, you can know how to be healthy. Some people will need some professional input. Some of it is there's a lot of good information If you're a person who's kind of wired for clarity and positivity, you will
0: find the good information. Yeah. You said a lot of really good things in there. And one thing I want to pull out and sort of um, evolve into a question is everything you just shared just made me think of, um, right, people change when crisis happens. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a big lion running after you. You have to respond. And when you get sick, right, you mm-hmm. have a choice, right, right. And it brought to mind there's this woman. She her name is Kelly Turner, PhD, and she studied like 1,500 people who went through spontaneous remission. Mm-hmm. I think this was across culture, across like, right. you know, illness type, and they found like 10 things that all these 1,500 people had in common how do they get better? And one of them was around life purpose, like mm-hmm. having a reason yeah. that gets you out of bed and gets you through the day and gets you excited emotionally and mm-hmm. all these other levels. Yeah, it's really it's really profound to, to so, know that this yeah. is real. But then also the question yeah. is like finding that balance between knowing when to ask for help mm-hmm. and then knowing when to just help yourself, which is something that you've right. spoken about. And so... I mean, yeah, how, how can someone practice that before getting sick? <laughs> well, I think
1: that's the whole point of the game, because I consider myself to be a prevented medicine-orientated person. So to me, there are two books of medicine, prevention and cure. Cure is not the same as prevention. So I'm all about prevention, but of course, obviously, people get sick, so you end up doing cure as well. So one thing I do want to say about what you said, which is I believe that as you heal through the I believe the childhood trauma bit is sort of like, there's a big, obviously a big shadow with this planet. I mean, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the purging of the shadow of humanity. You could look at it that way. So in my, up until COVID, it was always gonna change by individual people awakening. There's that book, Power Versus Force, which says if one person awakens, 2,000 people kind of move up towards awakening. But it sort of does work that way. So ultimately, as you heal your trauma, we all come with gifts and missions in, and callings in life. I like callings because calling is something you do whether they pay you for it or not. I consider my life to have a calling. So that, I think, naturally evolves out of getting healthier, higher, getting your vibration up. And um, and so for people who kind of like struggle, I would say I wouldn't worry about it so much. I would just continue to work more. This whole thing is about an inner revolution. And that's kind of a little lost. So we are actually, the one thing I will say is, I do believe in protest. I protested the Vietnam War. I got marched and jailed and all that. But you know, right now, the biggest other piece is we also each individually have to start working on clearing ourselves out and being a better channel for light. And as you do that, all the rest that you're asking will kind of happen, maybe. With the exception of tweaking someone's actual physical lifestyle, because there's a lot of confusing information out there.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I would love to shift into kind of like big visionary thinking now, which you were Mm -hmm. kind of touching on already. But in this pandemic and this post-pandemic world that we're moving into this alt normal reality, right? What would be your greatest vision for redesigning healthcare as we navigate through this global global health collapse and planetary crisis? Bruce Lipton, uh, Zach Bush, I'll talk about the coming of the sixth mass extinction, which, you know, it it can take some time to really understand what that means or be real quick.
1: Well, Zach said it will be eight years before we reach the crisis point. But I've known for it's been known for a long time that our planet lives between certain degrees of sodium. And therefore, what he's—I he—I didn't get to ask him, but what I believe he's talking about is that we have been moving strongly to one of the extreme ends of too little or too much, which is basically we're talking about water, the what the the alkaline acid thing is what people talk about, but essentially what he's saying, I think, is that in it with we have about eight years to pull back from this alkalinity change, acid alkalinity change that is in the what. Uh, that that surrounds the planet. We need a certain degree of this kind of thing for for life to exist. So I think that's mostly what he's talking about. I actually, I mean, other than Noah and the Ark, I really don't know what the other five extinctions really were. But I think that's what Zach is talking about. I don't think that's going to happen because we have there are forces greater than you than us, and thank God, helping us. This this shift. It probably is going to sound pretty far out, but for me, this shift is divinely initiated with the cooperation of what in South America we call Pachamama or Gaia or the earth. And even though it's maybe hard to see it a little clearly, I mean, I don't think we can deny the fact that actually lockdown was really bad for people because how it was handled politically, not because of the fact that it has it's allowed the earth to start, I mean, very quickly Air water is cleaning up. I mean, some of the damage that we did over hundreds and hundreds of years, we've gotten much quicker improvement than I thought. So I think that ultimately, this will be a world, as far as healthcare is concerned, this is about getting really healthy. And what does that mean? That means changing your lifestyle. And what does that mean? No more chemicals, no more pesticides, no more GMOs, no more manipulations of healthcare. In the, vaccine, in the vaccine industry, but more in the um, health industry, a hundred years ago, a man named Pasteur always said it was a germ theory, and a man named Beauchamp said, no, it's a terrain. Chinese medicine, by the way, is based on the terrain theory. But recently, I've begun to realize a lot of people that are talking on these health summits that anybody can tune into for free, are talking about the shift that we're making is away from killing things. Like if you're in Bali, everyone wants to kill parasites, right? And I'm not saying you shouldn't take things that are anti-parasite, but part of your microbiome has some parasites that are healthy parasites. So our definitions need to change. But essentially here's where I've come to as of this week. It's no longer about killing off the bad stuff as much as it is about building the person's terrain so their body is inhospitable and no bad germ, bacteria, microbe, amoeba, parasite is going to want to live in you because it's not a friendly environment. So I think that combination of realizing that all of health has to do with with you, your lifestyle, your spiritual journey, however you want to do it, however you want to take it apart, that's how healthcare will change. And there seems to be a lot of indication. You know, most of us have been locked out in the West from, health, from payment from um, insurance companies and healthcare things. But one of the things that doesn't take brain surgery to understand is that we can't afford to have national health care anywhere if we continue to keep on a model that's ma- sick maintenance is what they call it. And so health care will shift to people being healthier. As people are healthier, the planet will get cleaned up the air and water, the food will be better, and then we'll see what's left. There are some people who will need certain kinds of care because people are born with certain birth defects and things that actually don't fall can be helped by natural medicine, but we also maybe need some other kinds of medicine. But I think overall, if the vast majority of people don't have that anyway, manage to find their way to look at how they're living and what's working for them and what's not, and Part of this, obviously, is to restructure people's earning capacity to be more individualistic, less corporate, I think. more. And, and you know, years ago, a spiritual teacher said you're better off to own your own pizza shop than to be a Fortune 500 company executive because then you're in control of your own dharma. You're in control of your own life. So just look deeper. People, I think people need to look inside, see what they're struggling with. Look, if you're getting results keep going. I mean, you can always ask for friendly advice. If you're not getting results, if things aren't going the way it seems like they should, that's when you want to seek out somebody who has a professional education. I personally don't think you absolutely have to have a complete medical education to understand. You don't need a medical education to really understand what to do with COVID, but it helps. And there are some things that we can do. And I tend to point people into ways they can learn for themselves. I'm really... My... I'm about empowering people. I'm not so much like it used to be. You come and then you get treated and treated and treated. I realize that nothing is going to last if I can't help you empower yourself to make the changes that will keep you wherever this can happen. That said, I treat myself. I do get healings from people. I go to sound healing. I have a person working with me energetically now. So it's not that I don't do it. And I do it, you want to get sensitive to what you need. And that means... You have to make sure that when you say you know what your body wants or likes, that you're actually clear that that is what your body wants. So, I teach just one more thing. I teach from the neck up. We've all been taught to operate from the neck up. But from the neck up, it's that mind that high, does not know death or illness, and it actually doesn't care because it's not about that. But from the neck down, you have a a physical body that actually is built for survival. And it gifts you with illness in order to give you the message that something isn't working. When we begin to understand how that goes, and we'll begin to look for the right information and not just a fix. Now, that said, some people probably still will need medication for a little while. But we're, but the long-term result, chronic disease, which is the number one disease on the planet, that has to be handled through a holistically-based some sort of holistically based program. And in each of those steps, you should learn more about
0: yourself. Beautiful. And two more questions. Mm -hmm. We are in Bali. You've been in Bali for 17 years. You came in 2004, like right after the biggest tsunami. Right before the biggest tsunami. Okay, Mm -hmm. right before the biggest tsunami, you know, really took a toll on Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. and Bali was not excluded from that. Given your extensive amount of time living here, of all the places you can be in the world, um, I would like to ask you what you are most grateful for um, about Bali. Having lived here, especially during this COVID crisis and this real planetary health shift that we're in now, how has being in Bali helped you to really build this activism within yourself to really claim Mm -hmm. your truth and share that? almost think of this as a love letter to Bali.
1: (laughs) It's really interesting because my coming to Bali was not something I sought out. It was the end progression of a plan I had that ended up being turned around by the universe in bringing me to Bali, where I have found that when things aren't working out the way you want and you let the universe move you, generally the next step is someone rolls out a red carpet in front of you and life just moves, right? That's how I ended up here in Bali. you know, frankly, Bali is right now one of the best places you can be in the world. Um, we First of all, just naturally, we have sunshine, and we have other ways of of staying healthy. And it's pretty much a healthy population. I think, really, for me, the reason I ended up in Bali is because my, maybe my philosophy or my, my way of life is not very different from the Balinese I also believe the primary thing is your connection to God or Spirit. Um, We have little different ways of approaching the rest. I mean, diet here is obviously not good, but I think overall, that whole reverence for things and that belief that there is a higher power that's governing all this is just a very common thing. I also think that they're doing that. Bali is at least not as radical as some of the other places are, and I really feel bad that the The state leaders who are really driving this, not the president of the United States, have scared people so much that it's had somewhat of an impact here. But considering all of the factors, people coming back off the ships, people coming from other parts of Indonesia, we've kept this pretty much under control. And I do hope that we will not have to have another lockdown. I do believe that that the government here realizes that the economic crisis is bigger, at least, or even with the the virus and you know in this area we haven't had sick people we are not you know and I you know there are some things I think I do think you know left to its own people would take care of their vulnerable I just don't see people are that callous I'm sorry even in America they would have they might would have taken much better care of the elderly when it became known that the virus has an affinity for people maintained on certain drugs with a certain kind of technical thing known as a ACE2 receptor site leads to a, what they call a cytokine storm. So we really do understand the science. So I'm bringing it up. So there's a lot known, and not much of it's being used to help people maintain any kind of what I believe would be common sense. So I think things are worse, and I do think, you know, they're impacted. He can't, I don't believe the government here can pull out of the WHO or that they even should. But given that, they've made it a safe haven for most of us. They've given us permission to stay here for a year, Pretty much without argument, you get a choice. If you're here already, you got a choice for six months or a year, depending. And they are pretty much, they want you to wear masks in public. Regardless of that argument, that's not very much. And the rest of it, I think they're trying to get places to stay open. And most people here are concerned about the Balinese. And I will say this, if anybody in Bali listens to this broadcast, there is one thing here that is free that will help the Balinese avoid or at least manage this virus. And it's called Sambiloto. In English, it's called andrographis. It breaks the cycle of the virus, both at the initial contact and also at the very end of a pathway the virus has to go through to get into your cell. It drops those spikes. It also breaks the virus at that point. So anybody who has any local, just please, they all know about Sambiloto. It tastes terrible. I've stretch to the point of saying, okay, put honey in it. I don't care. But if they drink even a couple cups a week, hold your nose, that really, really will help them. And we, at Bumi Hot, they were giving out free, um, they weren't giving it for free, but they were giving out, we made a lot of tinctures and dried medicine. We pretty much used that up, but you can, it grows wild. So I just want to, I keep, that's my main message for Bali right now that you, Western people have a lot they can do here. We can get intravenous vitamins. We can. We don't need to go to the doctor. We just go and ask for the things. You know, we're really we're in. We're just really blessed. So I suppose my answer to that is I'm just thankful to God that I was one of the people that the universe decided could stay here, and to the government of Indonesia for allowing that. Beautiful.
0: Thank you for the tip, especially to the Balinese, who we are so privileged to be in community with. And to close our conversation out, if you can leave our audience with a message or a question that they can Mm -hmm. reflect on beyond this conversation, what would be your final message or question?
1: I think the message would probably be that you have more power in how this goes than you might think that you have and that you are designed to be a healthy connected person and that that is the best way that you can help the universe help this planet the question i would say is the proverbial question who am i what am i what does it really mean to be in a human body never mind at this time on earth just to be here and to kind of delve deep more deeply into what what is life? What is it about? What does it mean to be a human being? I mean, that's how I got here. It was just endlessly questioning and finding people that had different answers and kind of seeing what I resonated with.
0: Lots of wisdom, lots of experience. i so. <laughs> um, really grateful that you could share your time and your knowledge and just continue to do yeah, this really important work of helping people understand how they are more powerful than they might right. think they are, and that um, yeah, we have agency in our health.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I am writing a program, a book, and a program to get so that people can start to do what you're asking for themselves, and then know when they need to add for extra help. And we're getting clearer and clearer every day how people can really heal
0: themselves beautiful yeah thank you so much bobby it was fun really excited (laughs) to continue to watch your journey and yeah thank you guys so much for watching stay tuned for the next episode the alt normal -Normal. thanks for tuning in to the alt normal i'm your host tiffany Wen, and this show is produced by resonance the creative practice of Dig, Seed, Grow.